to the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, we might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Yo, yo. How are you? That's good. How the fuck are you? There's a couple of Australians <laughs> sitting in London. I think the Australian saying is how the bloody hell are you, isn't it? It's true. It's true. Where's how true. the fuck are you from? Just Dean's Bogan language. I'm not Dean. a Bogan. <laughs> you are a bit Bogan. Um, Dean me. says use everyone. I think that qualifies You're him a as a Bogan. You're a Sydney so if anyone's <laughs> more Bogan, it's you. Well, okay. I'm just trying not to cough. He got me there. He got me there. <coughs> okay. Excuse me, guys. Please don't choke to death. Um, I have myself a beverage. Okay, have a beverage, mm. and I I will talk to you guys while Dean is drinking. We are currently in London. We arrived two days ago. We're here for spring, and thus far, I have not seen a flower or the sun once. <laughs> I expected to land and see like um, I don't know people in pubs sprawled out onto the street in the sunshine, the parks full of flourishing plants but no it hasn't been like that at all it's been gray it's been drizzly but there hasn't been a day since we arrived on wednesday that hasn't rained no and we've so far hit a a top of 14 degrees yeah and i think an average of around about 10 i went for the morning walk in a huge scarf and a beanie and my hands in my big puffy jacket this morning so not the spring i was hoping for but that's okay things are going to heat up soon we're here for another 11 weeks there is time there is one portion to the spring trip that we have nailed thus far, though. What is that? Drinking beer. Oh. We've had two beers. We have. We don't drink. We've had two beers two in beers under seven days. In, yeah, two, two beers in six days. Actually, three beers. You got two double. You got a double. No, I had a pint and then I had a half pint. Well, we shared a pint and you had a half pint. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I mean, you got That's two, not really two, two beers. beers. Man, I had, as a non-beer drinker, the goal of my beer drinking escapades mm-hmm. when we do go out is to just order the weirdest thing possible. Oh, yes. And I got myself a chocolate peanut butter vanilla stout. Mm-hmm. Well, they, what do they call it? An, an impi? Yeah, impi, which stands for imperial. Uh-huh, yeah. It was amazing. What's that? Like, legitimately delicious. Like, dessert. I was so impressed. Good. Well, I have discovered that I'm into sour beers. And um, my best friend lives in London. Hi, Dom, if you're listening. I know she's not because she doesn't listen to our podcast. Also, she, she's not your best friend. But she's my best friend. I might not be her best friend, but she's my <laughs> best friend. Um, we went to a pub just to catch up with her. Um, and they have tzatziki beer there. Apparently. We read it on the way out. Yeah, we read it on the menu. So we're going to maybe try it on Friday. Now, I'm wondering if it's one of those things that says it's something, but it's not actually tzatziki. Well, I had the... Um, like, would it be murky? It says it's a wheat beer, though. So like, it would be murky. Probably. I don't know. I had the strawberry beer there, and it tasted exactly like strawberry. And when I was contemplating on what to get for the half pint after we shared that drink, mm. um, the guy let me try like a little sip of the mango and a little sip of the grapefruit. And they tasted exactly like mango and exactly like grapefruit. Yeah. So I'm going to say that tzatziki tastes it's a like different tzatziki. brand, though. No, oh, all right, all right. And do you reckon it'll come with a wedge of cucumber on the on the grass? I don't know. Like a, like a no, not a margarita. Margaritas. What comes with a wedge of fruit on the side? It Lots matter. of cocktails. Yeah, a piña colada. Well, that comes with pineapple. pineapple. But I just mean the also fruit. the word piña means pineapple in Spanish. Did you know? Learned that while not. we were living in Mexico. I did not know that um, until I lived in Mexico. Now. Who is sick of hearing about us blab on about beer? Yes, probably everyone. Shall we move on? Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> what are we here to talk about today? Is that is that our is that our wrap up? I, I think that was our little personal summary. Yeah. Perhaps do you have anything else to share as a personal summary? 
No, I feel like we've settled into London like it's home within a matter of days. It's kind mm-hmm. of nice to have some familiarity. I hate that word. Familiarity. Exactly. Oh, fuck it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying the, the groceries here again because they've got an abundance of food availability here that's just great. Mexican supermarkets were pants, honestly, because yeah. everyone just ate from um, street vendors. That's a little generous so, of you. <clears throat> what, pants? women pants. can wear pants? Yeah, but why is it negative? I don't know. Just, it's an English saying, Dean, and we're in England, so I thought I'd use it. Is, you're, you're claiming now that this is an English saying. Well, I learned it from my British. English friend, Alicia. She right. says things are pants. So, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Does that mean that they're shit because people shit their pants? I don't know. Maybe that's where it comes from. You know, like Bob's your uncle. Someone Google it and tell us where the it's pants saying comes from. Can you I remember the Bob's your uncle story? Because it's like that like when someone says it's Ooh. pants, it's like, why is it pants? Okay. Like, why do we say and Bob's your uncle? For non-Australians listening to this, Australians have this saying that says it's as simple as that, or like and Bob's your uncle. And it means like, and just like that. Yeah. Um, and we Googled where that term came from and it goes something like this. No, I was asking you because I forget. <laughs> I didn't remember either. I was handing it over to you. It was actually that's why I asked you. I was like, I'm not gonna... It was a really, really interesting, like, oh, I wouldn't have thought that kind of definition. Yeah. Um it made explanation. Sense. I just Google it. Yeah, guys. you guys have to Google it. I mean, that's if you don't agree with anything we say today about nutrition as well, just Google it. Yes, Google the Bob's your uncle thing and yeah. you learnt something. Yeah. Um, what we are here to talk about though is uh fast versus slow. When we're looking to lose weight, should we take a fast approach or a slow approach? Now, lots of... By mm -hmm. fast, I assume you just mean like rate of loss. Oh, yeah, like how much weight you're losing per week. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could also look at the rate of loss as a percentage of your body weight as well. Um, But because we all weigh different amounts, it's probably easier if we talk about the number on the scale, a kilo, two kilos, half Mm. a kilo, something like that. Yeah, so we would normally say up to 1% of body weight would be classified as like sufficient and sustainable like a, a good pace one percent yeah. so for me 600 grams a week for dean a kilo mm. uh, and that's both one percent for both of us yeah but in yeah. this instance in regards to the um the paper that we're gonna we look at or that you're gonna just talk us through here mm-hmm. it was more so looking at absolute weight loss required by a certain given time yes yeah so essentially lots of coaches um including ourselves as well anecdotally have expressed their preference to take their clients through a slow and steady approach to weight loss because they believe it to be more successful and more sustainable. And uh, I looked into the research, as we do, and some things are actually contradicting, but some things are kind of aligning with that, but there's some nuances and some conditions and if buts. Mm. So we're going to go through this paper that I think uh, is quite relevant and I'll show you what we mean. So I was going to say, because mm-hmm. also there's not only do most people prefer the sustainable approach from a coaching perspective, like they're verbalizing, I prefer, I would prefer to teach people sustainability. Oh, the coach prefers the coach it. Would, yeah, yeah. Lots there's of also a lot of coaches that not only would just say that they prefer it, but they'll shit can the fast approach. Mm. Um, but the question is whether or not here is like, is there any validity in using the fast approach? Yeah. Um, and I think we're going to draw. Um, mm, that's good. Yeah, it's good. Lemon lime. Mm flavored water in the uk i like it um yeah we're gonna discuss whether or not it's better and or worse or neutral for both the weight loss but also the sustained yeah i guess we'll talk about the success rates perhaps that's better or worse yeah yeah yeah. okay so this study is called the effect of rate of weight loss on long-term weight management a randomized control trial let me go to my notes essentially um this was a study that was split into two phases 
phase one was a weight loss phase. Phase two was a weight maintenance phase. So to give you some background, um, they were asking participants both in the rapid weight loss and the gradual weight loss group to lose 15% of their body weight. In the end, they ended up pushing people through to phase two as successfully losing weight if they lost, you know, 12, 12 to 15. They might have lowered the benchmark a little bit to get more participants through to phase two. Um, it was a 2004 study done in Melbourne on adults between the age of 18 and 70 with a BMI between 30 and 45. Now, how much somebody weighs with a BMI of 30 to 45 will depend on how tall they are. But Dean and I did some quick math before we pressed record. Yes, believe it or not, we did some preparation. Um, and we thought the average, like females are a little shorter than 170, males a little taller. So we took yeah. the average person at 170. So this gives our participants uh, between the weight of 87 kilos and 130 kilos. So that's on a 170 centimeter tall person with a BMI of 30 to 45. Mm, cool. And they were the goal was to lose 15%. 15%. So yeah. if there were 90 kilos just to round up, we're talking like 13 and a half kilos. Yeah. And okay. if there were 130, we're talking 20 kilos, just under. Are you asking me? No, because I'm, I can't do math no, that quickly. No, that quick. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I quick, believe you. Quick maths. Quick maths. So the other exclusion criteria other than participants being in this age bracket with this BMI was that they couldn't uh, have diabetes, be smoking, taking uh, weight altering drugs or were severely obese. So they were obviously obese because we know their BMI is between 30 and 45, but not, not greater than 45. And just for transparency or clarity, BMI mm -hmm. being body mass index? Body mass index. Just a relative measure of the amount of weight that you hold over your structure, structure being your height. So it's a, there's a relative risk profile for all-cause mortality they'll refer to as individuals with higher BMIs typically have a higher risk for things like cardiovascular disease and some other things. And if BMI is way to too low. Yeah. Yeah. There's nuance to that, but um, basically it's just a general quick math uh, allocation that we can say, do you have moderate risk, some risk, no risk? Yeah. The higher the BMI, typically the higher risk. There's, we can actually pull on this string quite a bit because bodybuilders don't like BMI because it says that they're overweight, but really they're really lean. They're just really heavy because they have a ton of muscle mm. and they don't realize that actually just generally being heavy, regardless of what the weight is composed of, is still uh, increasing risk factors. Yeah. Bodybuilders are like the great days of the dog world. Amazing. Muscular. Will lean, live till the age of seven. But they will die when they're six. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> at least good bodybuilders. Yeah. Because you're only good if you're if you're, if you're enormous. Let's just, let's just quickly put that out there too. Unless you're at least massive. Unless you shave 20 years off your life, you're a shit, shit bodybuilder. bodybuilder. Um, okay. So let's stop pulling on that string. Now, to talk you through the two groups, the rapid weight loss group uh, only had 12 weeks to lose 15% of their body weight, whereas the gradual weight loss group had 36 weeks to lose it. So that means that the gradual weight loss group had to eat far fewer calories uh, because they had a smaller amount of time to actually lose the weight. Mm. Cool okay. thing there is actually, we just threw those numbers out before, but what, 15% in 12 weeks? Yeah. There's like 1.25% of their body weight on average. Okay, if you say so. And then, um, and then the other guys is essentially half that. So it's like half, like 0.6%. Yeah, well, so. in order to lose the weight, they, they had to lose about one and a half kilos a week, the rapid mm. weight loss group, whereas the gradual who had 36 weeks to lose it, they had to lose about half a kilo a week. Yeah. They're quite rough numbers because people varied in weight significantly. Yeah. Can you imagine if you were 87 kilos trying to pull two off a week for 12 weeks straight? Ouch. <laughs> I'd probably amputate a limb. Hmm. It's going to take success. some dieting. That's for it's sure. going to take some dieting. Yeah. Okay. So I actually found it quite interesting how this study went about uh, the nutritional protocol for the rapid weight loss group. 
they were given meal replacement shakes and that totaled a daily grand total of between 450 and 800 calories, not per meal, per <laughs> day, per day, 450 to 800 calories per day. For those of you that aren't too familiar with, is that a lot of calories? It's about 55 licks of a stamp. My, <laughs> my uh, high school friend, Whitney, who yeah. I affectionately call Shitney now. We're no mm. longer friends. That's okay. Mm. Um, <laughs> that's why I call her Shitney. Mm. She used to ask me um, how many cheeseburgers that's worth. Ooh. So she was like, I don't know, is like that lasagna, is that like two cheeseburgers or three cheeseburgers? So just for those of you that don't really understand the numbers, we'll quickly break it down. As I mentioned before, Dean and I um, did some math and realized that the people in this study would weigh between 87 kilos and 130 kilos. So estimating that they can maintain their weight on about 30 calories per kilo of body weight, that means that their maintenance calories are between 2,600 and 10, not that that matters, and 3,900 calories. So if they were eating between 450 and 800 calories a day, just say top end 800 calories a day, they mm. were in a calorie deficit of 70 to 80%. E-freaking-normous. Mm. Normally when we diet, our clients will like, you know, shoot somewhere around 20%. They were mm. 70 to 80% deficit. That is heaps. That's a starvation diet, essentially. Yeah. What, what the, the worst possible, best possible scenario is 2,200 calories. Or something like, what is it, 1,800 calories? Yeah. About that? No, 2,200 calorie deficit. If yes. you were on 2,600 maintenance, you did the 400, uh -huh. 2,200 calorie deficit. If you did the 800 calorie, then obviously it's, in, it's like an 800, 1,800 calorie deficit. Yeah. Monstrous. In, enormous. The gradual More than some group... people eat in an entire day. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it really is. Um, the gradual weight loss group who had 36 weeks to lose it and they were trying to lose half a kilo a week, uh, they were given instructions to reduce to reduce 400 to 500 calories a day based on what they were eating. Um, so, you know, let's just assume people were eating maintenance calories. They, again, would have been eating between 2,600 and 3,900. They now were eating, what, 1,800 calories to 3,100 calories? way more than 800. So you would think, every coach would think, well, obviously the gradual weight loss is better, right? Because people will have enough room to enjoy a coffee, maybe go out for a dinner every now and again, probably reduce their likelihood of uh, deficiencies because there's enough calories to actually eat good quality protein, fruits, vegetables, and starchy carbs. You're getting like no that. fats in that 800 calorie diet no you're not even getting sufficient protein in that no. 800 calorie diet and that's the problem when we only consider weight loss we don't consider composition of weight lost mm. um we could lose muscle and think that is success that is not success you're not trying to lose muscle you're actually trying to lose fat mm. um so the people in the gradual weight loss group also would have likely held on to muscle tissue better than people in the rapid weight loss group. So, you know, this is all to say that coaches would be like, well, obviously rapid is bad, right? We should always go for gradual. Well, hold that thought. So um, when we looked at how many people in each group, the rapid or gradual withdrew because of difficulty adhering, surprisingly, only three withdrew from the rapid out of, did I mention how many participants? There were 204 participants in total. So like hundred participants per group, three withdrew from rapid. Uh, nine withdrew from the gradual group. That really surprised me. Mm, but. Uh, but. Well, yeah. well, well, we'll, we'll get yeah. to the but in a moment. Um, I should probably also mention that 18 people in the rapid weight loss group, they didn't pull out because they had difficulty adhering. Um, they stayed on, but they failed to lose the weight. So that tells us, because if they actually 
did adhere, they definitely would have lost the weight and then some. Yeah, that was my butt. Oh, right. I'm saying three withdrew, but 18 weren't successful. Well, nine withdrew from gra- from the gradual group and 32 failed mm. to lose the necessary yeah. weight. So obviously there was a huge adherence issue and then you know, yeah. nine withdrew. Which is kind of indicating right now to steal the thunder is that the rapid group have a greater likelihood of success in the weight loss. Uh-huh. Um, Don't spoiler alert this. No, 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 it wasn't. Okay. But less withdrew but more were probably oh i wonder what the percentages are like the non-compliance so far it looks like the rapid weight loss group were more successful Mm. doesn't it less withdrew less failed Mm. um okay so now we're going to look at phase two and so the first phase as i mentioned went for 12 weeks or 36 weeks and that's the actual weight loss that's the weight loss phase um when we look at participants that actually went into phase two, we had 76 rapid participants and 51 gradual participants. Mm-hmm. Um, they seemed to have lowered the benchmark to 12% of body weight, not 15%, which was the original goal. Um, and these are the people that actually made the weight loss, therefore considered to be adherent. Um, they no longer split the groups up anymore. This phase two went for 144 weeks with the goal of maintaining the weight, regardless of how they lost the weight, rapid or gradually. And both groups were instructed to follow healthy eating guidelines and exercise 30 minutes a day. Both groups had ongoing consults with the dietitian and were instructed to maintain a four to 500 calorie deficit um, if weight regain occurred, okay? Um, now, the result here is that the rapid weight loss group, 15 participants, well, okay, sorry, in phase two, people who lost weight rapidly, 15 of those uh, withdrew because they couldn't adhere to weight maintenance and only eight withdrew from the gradual group. So they had an easier time maintaining the weight, even though they had a harder time actually losing it in the first place. As a group, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the yeah. people who lost it gradually And the study doesn't actually um, start to theorize or hypothesize about why this may be the case. But, you know, as coaches in the industry with experience around these things, we have a theory. Mm. And that is that the gradual weight loss group built some necessary sustainable skills during the weight loss process that they then carried over into the weight maintenance phase. Whereas the rapid group probably had this on a diet, off a diet mindset. Mm. Yeah, the gradual group likely just continued on with life well they got back to their old habits because they were no longer on a diet anymore yeah oh, but sorry sorry that the gradual, rapid yeah. group i meant the yeah. gradual group only took out 500 calories lost a moderate amount of weight over that period of time and then would have just put in a small amount back mm-hmm. but they otherwise wouldn't have felt that restricted or they wouldn't have felt like their life changed all that much when they went back to maintenance because they were Whereas already doing that for 36 the weeks. rapid individuals have gone from somewhere in that 2600 to 3900 calorie vicinity They've had it cut to 400, 800. They've primarily done shakes. And then they've tried to go back to normal yeah. and overcorrected or undercorrected, which way would you However put it? However you want to look at it. Um, yeah. And it's just not, it's just too hard now. They're like, fuck, this is too hard. And they also probably think I can't do rapid again to get back there. Well, you know what? Like as somebody who has dieted like a dickhead in the past, this is before I knew anything, mm. um, it's quite like emotionally traumatizing because... You have to sacrifice so much and it's almost like what you feel like your cravings your hunger it doesn't matter you just have to do this thing and it's it's kind of sad and it's socially isolating and I was always really food focused and I couldn't concentrate on studying I had trouble even concentrating in conversations because I was so calorie deprived 
Um, and, you know, I've, I've said this many times, I developed a binge eating disorder and I pretty much can wholeheartedly thank the rapid approach that I had to weight loss. I was mm. just hyper restricted. So it doesn't surprise me at all when I read that in the weight maintenance phase, people in the rapid group withdrew, um, you know, almost double to those in the mm. gradual group. But you're, even in your instance, it was rapid without education too. Yes, it was rapid without education. And maybe even rapid without uh, any foresight into the ending of this and how to do that. I didn't even think about it. Hey, I was just like, well, you know, I it wasn't all me. I take full responsibility because yeah. I'm an adult. But actually, I um, hired a coach who gave me a ridiculous diet and mm. I did what he said. Um, and I, I didn't think what's after this. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, the gradual group here uh, don't really have to worry about learning because they're just restricting far less. Mm. But it's also less potentially motivating because the results are so slow, mm. which is why we maybe also saw a larger dropout in those individuals. Like well, the I... success wasn't as great, therefore the dropout was greater, mm. whereas the success in the rapid was fantastic, but it's very difficult. Um, so it's less res- motivating because the results were slower. Is that what you mean? In the gradual. Mm, yeah. In the gradual. I also wonder if it's to do with the fact that the people in the rapid weight loss group didn't have to think about anything, didn't have to learn anything. They were just given a shake. And it's so intensely low that you have to lose weight on it. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the gradual group, they would have had to have done some sort of education because they were allowed to eat whatever the frick they want. Mm. They just had to reduce their calorie intake by four to 500 a day. And there's a lot to think about. There's a lot to plan. You can still cook. You can still eat the food you love. And then it would be easy. Oh, just another square, just another packet, just another Yeah, scoop. and if there's no foods off limits, it's easy to make mistakes too. Like, oh, I had a healthy granola and yoga bowl. Yeah, yeah. right. Okay. Um, whereas yeah. the rapid people were literally yeah, like on shakes, on shakes and probably vegetables or something. So if that that'll the complete elimination makes the diet fatigue of choosing what to eat far easier too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're not at all suggesting that you should just go on shakes and lose weight because it's easier and you'll have more success. What we're saying is that there's not one right answer. Um, it seems to be the case that people doing rapid weight loss have more success to lose the weight, but less success actually maintaining it. Mm. And so maybe there's a way to go about, you know, a more gradual approach that improves your chances of success. And therefore you'll end up at a new weight uh, more likely to actually maintain it because you've built the requisite skills. Mm. Or find a happy medium. Yeah, okay. This is the one thing too, is that you don't have to be so like, you know, dichotomous and you're thinking around it's rapid or it's gradual. Okay. Or, you know, it's flexible or it's rigid uh-huh. or whatever it may be. Like we can pick parts of different strategies and principles that we really like. Like uh, we've spoken about this before in the podcast and if people are familiar with the intermittent dieting protocols whereby uh-huh. you diet on the deficit for a period of time and then you go back to maintenance calories for a period of time. Um, there's varying degrees of success in the researchers to like whether or not it's better, neutral or worse. It's typically never worse. It's almost always somewhat better, mm-hmm. if not neutral. Most of the positives being the psychological stuff, right? Okay. Is I think that, we, although it's just we like, should just maintain, we should just explain what intermittent dieting is. I did. Oh. Yeah. Periods of spent dieting, dieting in a deficit, and then periods spent eating back I at must maintenance. Have been daydreaming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, say two weeks of dieting, one week of not dieting, back at maintenance, uh-huh. or three and one, or one and one, whatever it is. Pick your pick your um, diet for six months, take yeah. a break for six months, diet for six, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, although the weight loss and the muscle retention typically is no greater in those that do intermittent versus continuous, in that they just continuously eat in a deficit, like these people do for twelve weeks. Uh-huh. The one thing that is isn't really spoken about in like great depth just yet is the teaching of learning to eat at maintenance repeatedly throughout the dieting phase 
which is what these rapid individuals missed out on. They just got given rapid for 12 weeks and then told to maintain. Yeah. Whereas the conservative or gradual just were gradually getting better and then they were told to pretty much maintain the same. But we can sometimes even consider the use of using some rapid fat loss approach with some intermittent non-rapid fat loss approach mm. so that we can learn how to manage this yeah. over time. Yeah, yeah. Point being there is, yeah, you don't have to do one or the other. You can do combinations of both. Oh, I like it. So um, just thinking about how I've done that with a client in the past, um, when there are social events on that people really want to go to and, you know, they like being social, having a glass of wine, having some finger food, probably not the best week to do a rapid approach. So you might want to look at your calendar. If you're a coach, look at your client's social calendar and see what weeks, if you want to do a rapid weight loss portion for one week, two weeks, three weeks, whatever, probably not greater than three weeks. Um, where, where might that fit? Where might that not interrupt their social life as much? Where might we have the best chances of success? Where might we want to have a moderate weight loss week? Where might we want to maintain? You probably don't want to make these one week at a time. For maintenance, probably a bit longer. For gradual, definitely longer mm. than one week. But for rapid, I mean, it could be a week. It could be two. Yeah. Yeah. How long would you, okay, not um, comp prep, but if you had a gen pop client, how long would you put them on rapid for? I suppose it would depend on the severity of the rapid. Like yeah. if it's literally just fruit, vegetables. And their and tolerance meat. for stress. My experience, even in individuals that are hyper-motivated, in a contest prep, it's usually between 10 and 20 days. Yeah. You know, because the first few days it's are very, very difficult. Hard. The first yeah. few days are very difficult because it's such a different approach to food than what you're used to. Mm. And you're still dealing with the cravings of the things you've been consuming regularly. Yeah. Days four and five and that, you actually start to typically get like a bit of a pickup in energy because you're not so sluggish because you don't have to be digesting a whole ton of food all the time. Your body kicks in a little bit of adrenaline to sort of compensate for the lack of calories. And then there's a period of like almost euphoria. Mm -hmm. And then the cravings die off because you've disassociated with your opportunity to eat different foods because you're like, I'm on the fruit and vegetable diet with some meat, right? And then I'm like, cool. But then and around that, that's like sort of in that seven to 10 day period. It's after the 10 day period, depending on training, depending on work, depending on sleep, when fatigue starts to accumulate because the lack of calories doesn't drive recovery. And then it's like, all right, maybe now's the time that we should either take a momentary break for a day or two which can be very difficult because it's kind of like dangling a carrot mm. in front of someone. Well, maybe not a carrot, a chocolate. Um, or it's like 10 days is also probably not that long to then go and take an entire week off dieting. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe we might say, hey, can you stretch your, your limit to 14? And then we might do five days off or seven days off or 10 days off or whatever it may be. Or like you said, honestly, a lot of the time it's um, event specific. Mm -hmm. Because the, the, the cool thing, the, the one thing that this rapid approach is teaching or at least showing us that may be the case is that it's highly motivating to see results happen fast. Mm -hmm. um, so like using it to get results very quickly to motivate change is great, but it should always have an end date followed by a period of like learning. I would probably insert though that uh, if somebody has a holiday coming up, for example, I probably wouldn't do a rapid weight loss phase with them right up until the start of the holiday. Because then they enter the holiday feeling really hungry, feeling really restricted, and they're like a dog off the leash and they could go wild. I would prefer, and I'm sure you agree. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You're, you're basically explaining the study. Yeah, essentially. Mm -hmm. You, you want to, if you were to do rapid weight loss with yourself or a client, have a weight maintenance phase for a week or two or longer before the holiday. So they've lost the weight, they've maintained it, and then they go into the holiday with much fewer feelings of restriction, much less hunger. Yeah. Actually, I, I do have some more bullet points from the study. I won't read all of them to you, but this one is relevant to what mm -hmm. we're talking about. So 
Uh, ghrelin is, we can think of as the hunger hormone. The more ghrelin, the hungrier you're feeling. Leptin, we can think of as the opposite, the satiating hormone. The more leptin in your system, um, the, the fuller you feel, I suppose. Uh, and both of these hormones uh, fluctuate depending on if you've just eaten or if you haven't eaten for a while. Um, okay. How much fat's inside the cell. Yeah. Like yeah, you how lost, much fat, exactly. Yeah, like if you lose a whole bunch of fat, leptin goes up. And, yeah. and so does your hunger. Leptin goes leptin down. Goes down yeah, I was like, am I missing something? My, my hunger leptin goes, up. goes down, yeah. ghrelin goes up. Yeah, my yeah. apologies. Okay, okay. So this bullet point goes like this. Circulating leptin concentration falls more than 15%. Sorry, falls more when 15% of weight loss happens rapidly, um, consistent with previous evidence that leptin secretion is not only affected by adipose tissue, mass or fat, whatever, but also energy intake decreases. So the people who lost weight gradually had less of a hunger hormone drop. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, so less, to less of with. a satiating hormone drop. Yeah. <laughs> we're both getting it wrong yeah. now. <laughs> but the point being is they, were, they had less things to deal with. Yeah, they weren't fighting up a hill. Yeah. The uphill battle, up a hill. They, plus they would, they actually had, like you said, food availability to eat mm -hmm. some volume. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking nutty. They, no, what pricks? Melburnians, you assholes. Not only did you cut their calories by 60, 80, 60 to 80% or whatever it was, 70 you to said 80%. to them, you can drink them. Fucking pricks. <laughs> Which is the least satiating type of calories you can consume, liquid calories. I, I imagine it, they may have done that to at least provide some form of vitamin and mineral intake. I think it was because, I don't know for sure, but I think it was because it was easy. It's like, here's a sachet. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, eat, eat a palm's worth of meat and some vegetables. You can't fuck that up. Well, you can't control the calories as well because chicken true. breast to salmon is so different in calories. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Is, yeah. Um, so, so what's the answer, Dean? Should we lose weight fast or slow? It depends, as always. Yeah, I think the answer is that there's pros and cons to doing it anyway. And just like, mm, I, I haven't actually uh, ever said this out loud. This is just a thought mm -hmm. in my head. So let's see how it comes out. You know how you have like a group of friends and you love this about that friend, but you don't like the other thing about them. And then this friend, they're really funny, but they're like a bit of an asshole sometimes. What we can do is we can be like, oh, I really want to be funny like that friend. And I really want to be generous like that friend. And I really want to be caring like that friend. You can pick the good parts and learn from them and kind of like, adopt those things so maybe the point here is like understand the costs and benefits where you might go wrong with something and you can pull the good parts from each mm. Does that makes sense it came out well did it good thank you i um i think it's important to just remind ourselves that although the rapid fat loss was more successful in fat loss mm -hmm. that at the end of the maintenance phase neither were more or less successful than each other it was kind of neutral right as in the rapid people ended up putting more weight back on than the gradual, but like there was no greater result because although rapid is better to begin with, it's harder to sustain. Yeah. So like rapid without education to me sounds like a pointless approach, but it may be a great approach to get the ball rolling. Right. But you have to recognize that you cannot do that forever. And that without education, you're just going to end up back in old habits. Uh -huh. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Because you can't just drink liquid shakes forever like you will be eating food again at some stage and if you don't learn then you will be going back to old habits mm -hmm. for sure and yeah. even just old mindsets that's really important and old emotional soothing strategies which probably for many overweight people not all but many is eating mm. um maybe even like what you do when you procrastinate or when you're bored or when you're celebrating food 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 there's other things there's reading music 
we can we throw sex in there? There's mm. there's so many other things you can do to celebrate, to procrastinate. To Ain't nobody time. celebrating the sex on rapid. No, that's definitely making. Did you know many a men limp? Yes, many a men limp. That's what I was gonna say. Did everyone know that? Nod your head if you knew. And this is the other thing I want to say. How long would you have to be on a rapid weight loss diet for for it to get lifted? I think it's more to do with the fat, to be honest. The body, right. the body fat loss, that is. Uh-huh. Um, just because once you physiologically end up in that sort of starvation range of like significant fat loss, significant negative adaptation, like that 15% that they talked about where you're starting to see these hormonal cascades kick in, mm-hmm. then part of those is going to be shut, shutting down the reproductive drive or the biological drive to procreate. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I wanted to asterisk before was that although rapid can also sound exciting, the risk for that muscle loss that we were to- you were talking about early on gr- gets greater and greater and greater the more you end up losing. Mm-hmm. So like even though rapid may afford you the opportunity to lose more weight faster, if you continue at that rate, you're also potentially going to inhibit your ability to maintain muscle mass. You may even start to like degrade bone, lose some organ mass. So it's not a long-term solution whatsoever, which this suggests, um, and it doesn't come without consequence, even though it seems like it's the winner, at least initially in this. Mm. I mean, if you do do a rapid weight loss diet forever, you will die mm. if you're successful at it because you will starve yourself to death. So there has to be an exit strategy. Yeah, I, I think the that individuals should seek to find sustainable behaviours that cause gradual weight loss over time. Mm but consider the intermittent use of rapid phases to speed up the Mm. gradual average. Yeah, because I think a lot of people think that if we're talking about the word dieting in the context of pursuing weight loss, that that process has to be absolutely sustainable. And I don't necessarily agree with that because there can be points in time where you're saying no to more things than you think you want to do in the long term. Mm. But just for now, I'm going to go a little harder. Um, but this, yeah. the same like overall habits and mindset should exist all the time. I'm always going to prioritize fruits, vegetables, and lean proteins. But right now I'm just not having desserts and snacks, but I'm going to insert them three weeks from now yeah. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's important too, having something at the end to look forward to or to recognize that this isn't going to be like this forever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but it's not all or nothing. Absolutely. It's not, not shakes and then burgers. <laughs> I mean like meal replacement shakes, not, no. not milkshakes. It'd be cool to diet on milkshakes though, wouldn't it? Delicious. It's been a long time since I've had a milkshake. <laughs> I used to really enjoy a milkshake. Favorite type of milkshake? Uh, the one that I used to make before I'd play soccer on a weekend, okay. which was basically a shit ton of fucking ice cream. Mm-hmm. A lot of Milo. Tell me you're not a bogan. A shit ton of fucking ice cream. Yeah. Okay. A lot of Milo. Like a lot. Uh-huh. We would go through a family tin in a week. In it's so weird seeing Milo in the international aisle of the supermarket. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm. And then I would put other things in there too, like a banana and some honeys and that. But it was like Milo more like ice cream. It was banana. more like a um, thick shake. Yeah, like the McDonald's thick shake. <sighs> yeah. You know, I used to, as a kid, um, used to eat Maccas a lot. And I used to love the strawberry thick shake. Love it. Yeah. Love it. I and I used to chocolate. use like, illegal amounts of tomato sauce on my fries i'm glad you didn't say anything shay can i put it to those that have made it this far that are listening yes. i'd like to get a vote yes how do you feel about dipping fries in milkshakes i've never done it my grandma used to dip her fries in a soft serve cone ice cream cone yeah are you a fry dipper i think that's weird as i get older i'm willing to try any kind of combination okay. like you put your nose up at my 
beetroot, cinnamon, rice, and beef That's meal. so fucked up. Delicious. Would you try the cinnamon Nutella on fish? I mean, I'd try, but it wouldn't be good. They're, they're definitely not complimentary you flavors. Give it a go. I'm, I'm I would much... say that beetroot and cinnamon aren't complimentary flavors, Dean. He had pickles, beetroot, cinnamon, and rice the other day. That's good. So weird. Goes great when you add some more mustard. Tang that shit right up. Ugh. Mm. No, yeah. thank you. So anyway, guys, they're the they're the uh, the thoughts on fast versus slow, mm. and everything in between. Mm. Hope you learned something. <laughs> uh, we're going to wrap it up with a less shit tip, Dean. Well, I think we've kind of given it. Uh, I would say, yeah, consider. You don't have to choose one. No, the, the less shit tip here would be is that don't be dichotomous and you're thinking around the dieting strategy. Mm-hmm. This is good. This is bad. And mm-hmm. pick the personalities of your friends, like Liz said, that you like the most out of each strategy and try and find your own one. Um, this is this whole argument. I think I've even said this funny time on the podcast. Like, I like principles over protocols. Like, <laughs> you follow a protocol, you understand the principle. So, if you understand that weight loss requ- requires a calorie deficit and maintenance requires calorie maintenance, then you can get to those two endpoints in various different ways. Okay, hmm. I like it. Uh, something worth sharing. Let's go for it, Liz. <laughs> Tell <laughs> me about Bob's your uncle. Put me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Dean and I just finished watching a Netflix series called Mind Hunters. Oh yeah, I'll share that. That was good. I very much dislike violence. Um, it's not that I dislike it; it just freaks me out, and I'll have nightmares, and I'll be scared in the dark more than I already am. So I don't watch things that are extremely violent. And so I think Dean watched a trailer for Mind Hunters, and we're like, "Oh, it's too much for Liz." Mm-hmm. But I've been braver than usual this year, haven't I? Yeah. So we gave we gave the first episode a go and it was completely fine. Finished the whole series, really liked it. I'd say it's more of a thriller. It is. It's more than of a violent thriller. horror. Yeah. Uh, Liz has also watched Blood Diamond. Not a very oh, not a very. Young. That was Luke's fault. <laughs> like... I told I told Luke. I, I <laughs> look. I have PTSD, guys. This is like we won't beat around the bush. I don't like violence because it triggers me. And my friend Luke knew this, and I was like. You pick the movie. Just He's a movie buff too. Yeah. I was like, not a lot of violence, please. And he chooses Blood Diamond. And Dean and I are both like, oh, I think I've seen like a. We, I, we actually started, now that we watched, we ended up watching the whole thing. Credit to you, tolerated it well. Thank you. Uh, but I do remember we, we started at once and within the first few scenes we went, nope, not for you. There was people getting their arms chopped off and like whole villages being burnt down. Yeah. And, like, and, yeah. and then we're sitting there both looking at Luke in the first scene going, like you, um, are you unaware of how, how violent this is? He's like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's like, it's only this beginning. No, no, no. The whole movie is just murder. The whole movie was murder. It's just murder. Like, <laughs> I actually am glad that happened, though, because it made me realise how far I've come. Like, I, mm. I didn't even cry once, did I? Not that I saw. No, I didn't. I wasn't even, like, fighting back a panic attack. Or I think because it was so violent. You're like, this is ridiculous. No, no, I think I've just made a lot of progress. I agree. Um, but it just shows you that, like, some people are so unaware of, like, Mm. what it means to have I don't know because because violent triggers for them are so foreign they just think it's fine for everyone yeah like, what do you mean it's just a movie it's, it's not real it's just a- like yeah this is sensory for me okay yeah I feel this exactly. what would be your number one series we've watched oh I really liked atypical that was really good um I also really liked uh, I don't care what community. you like I want to know what your favorite was Okay, I'm going to go with Atypical. That was great. That was the best series. I think so. It was quite short, but I really liked it. What's yours? Oh, uh, Queen's Gambit was good. Oh, Breaking Bad was epic. 
Yeah. Anyways, okay, we'll wrap it up. Would you rather? Are you going to ask me or are I going to ask you? You're going to ask me. Would you rather have blocked ears for six months of the year mm-hmm. and they also kind of hurt because they're blocked? Again. Yeah, he had blocked mm-hmm. ears in Mexico. The poor thing was in so much pain. Um, I wasn't in pain. I just couldn't hear very well. You said you were in pain. No, I was. Were you playing it up? No, I was uncomfortable because I felt like I had almost like middle ear, like I was a bit swayy and off and I couldn't hear and my ears constantly felt like they were filled with water. It was real grumpy. But it wasn't painful. Okay. Would you rather that for six months Mm. or always have boogers that you just can't get rid of? Can people see them? I mean, if you lift your chin up. Are they hard boogers or like snotty, hangy boogers? Both. Is my nose therefore blocked? A little. Mm. I've had a nose job too. You're really hitting home here. And I have to say, having had my nose fixed, that first breath in, (laughs) orgasmic. (laughs) Like a tunnel. Um, Mm. He didn't have a cosmetic nose job. I don't want to give my nose back up. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, you're going for six-month blocked ears. And I think the blocked ears would interfere with my life less. Really? Than being blocked nose because the blocked nose is going to fuck my sleep and then that's going to really it's mess me up. a little bit blocked. You can still breathe. Yeah, but that was my whole life and I didn't realise how tired I was. Okay, so you're going <laughs> blocked ears. I'm going to go blocked ears. Okay. Hmm. All right. Good to know, Dean. No worries. And no, no boogers. No booger in, yeah. Like think... you, you can't see the filthiness, you know. That's kind of cool too. Yeah. I'd rather, like, look at someone with blocked ears than boogery nose. Mm. So that's good. That is it for now, guys. We will see you in the next episode. Yeah.